Y Group invites all AEC industry leaders to the 2024 AEC Small Business and Entrepreneurship Forum, the premier event for small firms in the AEC sector. Experience innovative strategies and insights on May 21st, crafted by Zweig Group's industry experts. Engage in keynotes and interactive sessions focused on recruitment, retention, and business growth. Join Zweig Group for this unique networking opportunity and take your business to new heights. Secure your spot today and be part of the AEC industry's future. Visit ZweigGroup.com for more information. The Zweig Group team looks forward to welcoming you. Welcome to the Zweig Letter Podcast, putting architectural, engineering, planning, and environmental consulting guru Mark Zweig's straight talk in your ear. Mark has more than 30 years of experience helping AEP and environmental firms thrive. And these podcasts help deliver his invaluable management, industry, client, and HR advice directly to you, free of charge. The Zweig Letter Podcasts let you develop professionally, wherever you are. Hey, everyone, and thank you for joining Zweig Group Media and the Zweig Letter exclusive interview series. With 25 years of continuous coverage of the design industry, the Zweig Letter is a consistent source of valuable information in an ever-changing marketplace. I am here again today with Mark Zweig. I've gotten him together for another podcast episode, and we're so excited to talk about one of the topics that uh, comes up quite a bit in our office, and that's M&A. And so uh, Mark recently wrote an article in the Zweig Letter, and uh, that article was entitled, What I Have Learned About M&As in the Past Year. Um, That was from the January 16th edition of the Zweig Letter. I think that's issue number 1183. You can check that out. And um, we'll provide a link to it uh, at the end um, when we uh, give you the show notes for this particular episode. But Mark, it's great once again to have you on the podcast. And and, uh, again, as always, you know, just this podcast was created really just for you to share your knowledge and and, um, what you know about this industry, what you've learned over the last 37 plus years. And I know that you've had a lot of experience when it comes to uh, mergers and acquisitions. Um, obviously, we've done them a lot here in this organization. You've consulted firms uh, in the area of uh, M&A transactions. Um, we've had some other people on the Zweig Letter podcast, like George Christodoulo, um, that is uh, that have done a, you know more transactions than we could even care to remember. But um, wanted to certainly hear from you in terms of uh, what you are seeing as trends that are taking place when it comes to mergers and acquisitions in the design industry. I know a lot of firms are looking to to uh, obviously grow organically, but then for a lot of firms, they have to grow through acquisition uh, or through some a merger of sorts. And so uh, why don't you talk just a little bit about what you're what you're seeing and um, and what, what you know what what you've experienced in the past year that maybe may be different than you know what you noticed like o- over fifteen or twenty years ago and uh, because this is not a video you can't see that Mark is kind of trying to make me laugh as I do this opening <laughs> monologue so uh, it's just like him to do that but that's okay because we don't we don't edit this stuff out we we want to be normal because that's just what we do so uh, we like to have fun here at Zui Group as well but Mark. You know, thanks again for joining us. What what do you what do you have to say about that? 
first I just have to say being interviewed by Randy is always like you feel like you've been on network TV or something <laughs> or so fresh air or something fresh He's air so good at it Terry Gross um, <laughs> <laughs> no the M&A I mean it, it's it's crazy how much activity there is I mean it, it, the majority of companies want to buy or sell I've never seen a time like it yeah so it's a red hot market for buyers and sellers yeah uh, prices are up uh, demand is up for companies. Expectations of sellers are up. In some cases, completely unrealistic. Mm-hmm. Um, where do I start? I mean, it. it you know, it, it, I've, it, as you said, I mean, we've done hundreds of these things in one way, shape, or form. Either finding buyers for sellers, or sellers for buyers, or doing the appraisals, or acting as a negotiation agent, or planning the integration post acquisition i mean we've done all these different things helping with due diligence um it's very interesting it's interesting work and um it certainly is a viable way for a company to grow um, if they have a consistent strategy that they follow as it relates to buying companies Um, unfortunately most don't have a consistent strategy and most ae firms um, decision making processes are so convoluted and so slow that it puts them at a real disadvantage in the M&A business because you got to act quickly and yeah. you've got to be willing to take a risk sometimes with less than complete information, which again, you know, we know is a tendency of, of uh, engineers in particular. They always want more information. You mean overanalyze? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You know, you've never got enough information to make a decision. Well, you'll never make a decision because yeah. you'll never have enough information on a company you're trying to buy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that, you know, it's, it's funny. I, what I, what I think we should probably do is talk about, well, what do you see happening? I mean, lately I know, you know, there's this talk of, uh, that there've been auctions that have taken place and there are other, some, you know, kind of nuanced ways that people are trying to do, uh, M and A's. Um, I've talked to a number of firms that kind of self manage the M and A process themselves. I'd love to hear your thoughts about that. Um, but what, what do you, you know, what, what new trends are you seeing in the space of uh, mergers and acquisitions, especially in the design and design industry? Well, we have seen some auctions recently where, you know, we get this letter or one of our clients gets a letter and it describes a company and, and uh, in a favorable light, maybe it's a couple pages of information. If you want more on it, um, you know, you have to sign an NDA, but they're going to be opening up all offers on such and such a date. And it's like, what? You know, um, one of our clients, very good client, we've worked with on several different transactions. They, they got one of these letters and, you know, they, they called me up and said, what, what do you, you know, we're going to take a run at this thing. Right. And I'm like, are you sure you want to do that? You know, there's going to be a lot of other firms. They said, yep, we're going to. And they ended up getting it. Wow. And it was a great company. Wow. (laughs) Also, which is another, you know, maybe it would seem shocking that a really good company would use that approach. I thought it was pretty arrogant, really. I mean, you know, we're going to be opening offers on this date. That assumes somebody wants to make an offer based on the information they got. But they did. Yeah, yeah. And they ended up getting it. Wow. So so tell me this, just to piggyback on that particular story, um, was there an organization or a company managing the overall process for that company? No, or they do it themselves. They did it themselves. Yeah, they're very, very um, organized, and 
They have a, a very small team okay. that is led by the CEO okay. to buy other companies. Okay. And okay. so they can vet them out quickly. They can analyze, you know, they can come up with a value. They can come up with a deal structure. Uh, the CEO and, and mainly the CFO, Right. they have a model that they throw all the numbers into. Yep. And um, they've got um, outside capital that they brought in for the purpose of buying other companies. Okay. They're just highly efficient. Wow. This is not like most companies. Right, right. You know, it's right. like, well, we got twelve owners and we've got an opportunity to look at this company. Well, cold in our board meeting in May, we can talk about whether or not we want to look at them. I'm like, you know, yeah. May, it's done. Yeah. I mean, everything's it's over. over. Yeah, it's you, over. You, you can't work like that. And, you know, we want to meet all their partners and their partners want to meet all our partners. Then we're gonna have another meeting. Of partners, nobody's even talked about the value yet. Yeah, and then someday you find out after like six meetings that the value expectation of the seller is so unrealistic. Yeah, that there's no possibility in hell that you're going to be able to put a deal together. <laughs> okay, I've seen that more than once. So you know, and and now that you bring that up, and just the fact that there's sometimes in in these M and A transactions, there sometimes can be too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah, I remember you telling a story, uh, and we may have uh, mentioned this loosely in in another earlier podcast. But you, one of your mentors and one of your main mentors, Jerry Allen, you you've talked about how you know Jerry would you you would call him up with an opportunity, and he would literally get on a plane and yeah. go meet with the firm and make a decision right then and there. It was crazy. Nobody was faster than him, or, or, or would jump on something an opportunity faster than that guy. Right. Right. So yeah, you could call him. He would call the client, the the seller, right away. Yeah. And then he would be on a plane that day to go see him, and um, or that night. I mean, it was. It, Things move very quickly. And then two days later, I, I, he'd call me up and say, well, I just got a, struck a deal to buy such and such. And that was it. And that was it. That was it. Okay. And, he, and, you know, he had the same approach toward integration. It was very fast. Yeah. He wasn't a big fan of dragging things out. You know, he, he'd say, let's just decide. Whoever wants to stay here can stay. Who wants to leave can leave. You're going to be on our policies, our benefits, our name. Everything's going to happen. That's this it. is it. Yeah. It's over, you know, we're going to go. And, and that was one of the reasons why he liked to buy troubled companies, because right. he said they're glad to see us Yeah, when we show up, as opposed to really successful companies where all we're going to do is like make their life miserable. Yeah. Because we're changing grandma's recipe. Right. <laughs> the unsuccessful ones know they don't have grandma's recipe. Right. It's not working. They're yeah. going out of business. They got major problems. They're much more open to make changes. Yeah. You know, and that makes a lot of sense. It doesn't, does. Doesn't yeah. mean they're bad people either. You know, it, there there are plenty of, of good companies and good people out there that just don't know how to make money in this business. Yeah. Or they did before and maybe they don't now. So yeah. every, you know, some Times people change. lose their way. So, yeah, you know, sure. Some exactly. people lose their way. So what would you say to the, you know, the, the CEO or, or leader of an organization now that may feel kind of hamstrung by his board of directors? You know, he's got a real, he's got a real mission to go out and, and try to do, uh, a, a, you know, a merger or, or an acquisition, but he just feels like he's hamstrung by everybody around him that is is kind of holding him back from that perspective what advice would you give to that to that leader well he needs to have the a, a very small team of people probably somebody with a good operations background the cfo and him or herself okay and they need to be authorized by their board 
to basically pursue acquisitions and take them all the way down to the purchase and sale signing. Okay. At that point, the board can approve the the uh, purchase and sale agreement. Okay. Um, you know, if you want to do it at an LOI level or, or uh, MOU, that's letter of intent or memorandum of, memorandum of understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you could you could make that a requirement that the board sign off on, although that's going to slow things down quite a bit. Yeah. Um, so, you know, um, small group of people uh, don't have to get approval until it's done. Uh, you know, until it's ready to sign. That that's sort of what I would uh, uh, be advocating. And if they need, um, you know, good advice, I I would be glad to suggest. Um, you know someone as far as uh, either a consultant or an attorney right who can sort of guide them through the process and 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 if necessary come talk with their people to yeah. explain to them the sort of whys and wherefores of how you do this stuff right right you know so they you know to deal with their questions and misconceptions before they even get into the process so once they are in the process, they can move through it quickly. Yeah. And you, you bring up a very, very important distinction is that um, just because you know an attorney, um, if they are not an attorney that is familiar with MA transactions, they're probably not a good person to review a bunch of documents for you pertaining to an MA transaction. I mean, God, no. um, you know, and, and that's the same for a consultant. If you just call any consultant that's just doing small business consultant uh, management consulting doesn't necessarily make them an MA expert. So, um, you know, that would be an area that you would certainly encourage people not to cut corners in. Yeah, it, absolutely. Yeah, it's absolutely it, it, you need a specialist. Yeah. And to get anybody other than a specialist is insane. And so when you need something's wrong with your health and you have cancer, you don't go see a heart doctor. Right. I mean, or your general practitioner. Right, right. It just, you got to get people that know what they're doing. Attorneys, they're all specialized. Yeah. If they don't have experience in this stuff, they're going to mess it up. I don't know what else to say. Every single time. Yeah. They'll screw it up. Yeah. So, you know, I've learned this. I get calls from people, you know, because my other business is a is a home renovation, commercial, residential contracting and development company. I get calls constantly or emails or texts from people saying, can you recommend a good home handyman or my fellow professors, you know, and and I'll go, what do you need them for? Well, I need to replace the tile floor in my kitchen. Why are you calling a handyman? Call right. the tile floor person, person who installs yeah. tile floors. Yeah. Well, I need to change my faucet in my kitchen. Why are you calling a handyman for that? Why not call a plumber? Right. They'll yeah. do it right the first time. The first time. Yeah. I, I've been in a million houses that have been worked on by a million handymen, and they never do it right. <laughs> yeah. Same thing here. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. They don't know what they're doing. They'll screw it up. Yeah. You can't go to your regular business attorney. And most of them have had zero or very, very little experience in buying and selling companies. Right. right. And they're going to be alarmist. They're going to miss things. They're going to overreact to things that aren't problems. It's just bad. Yeah. Uh, get the experts. Yeah. And I know you've seen some deals either. Well, I'm sure you've seen some deals fall through because of a lack of an expert being involved, maybe on the other side of the table when, with a transaction that you're doing. But um Talk about some of the unrealistic expectations that sellers have in the in the uh, the M and A process. 
What do you, what do you what do you think about that in terms of I mean what have you seen lately? That... I think the biggest problem that we have, it's it's the media, and people learn or see what another company sells for. Maybe it's in, <laughs> you know, it's a high tech company. Right. You know, I I saw Webex sold for forty times revenue or some. You know, right, where, right. Who gives a you know what? Right. <laughs> You're not WebEx. Right. There's nothing like, there's no similarity between you and WebEx. Right. That's one problem. And then the second problem is there is a group of flimflam artists, snake oil salespeople that travel around from city to city and they put on free seminars and unlocking the value of your business. Right. And they advertise these things on the radio and TV. They send letters out. You go, you get a nice meal. It's at a nice hotel. It's not at the Days Inn or the Motel 6. It's held at the nice hotel in town. Right. And they get people together and they basically, uh, you know, inflate their ideas of what the company's worth. Um, I had a a, a guy call me a couple years ago. He said, you know, he's got a 16-man MEP firm and it does two million dollars a year and and his business partner thinks it's worth four million dollars i said where in the world would he ever get a number like that well he went to one of these seminars the guy told him we're worth four million dollars okay well it's bullshit okay yeah the reason why they do that is they then sign them up under a program to market their company for so much per month right and they never sell anybody or rarely do but they get so much per month out of a lot of companies all paying them you know, 25000 to do a pitch book and $5,000 a month retainer or 10000 or 7500 or whatever it is yeah. to represent them. And that's what they, that's how they make their money. They don't make it actually selling the company. So they create a totally unrealistic expectation that can't be met. And I hate it when I run into those scenarios. It's very difficult to convince those people that they've been sold a bill of goods and right. the company's not worth that. And nobody's going to pay that for them. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, I mean, that that obviously that's that's always going to be out there. And people, um, you know, people will tell you what you want to hear, I think. And that's uh, especially in this area of what your company is worth or what you can get from the transaction. So um, what what can uh, you know, what can sellers expect after a successful transaction uh, in, in the in the instance where a seller is, you know, can they expect to have to hang around for a while after the fact? Or um, They're going to have to. I yeah. Mean, nobody's going to buy that company and just let them walk out the door. I mean, I shouldn't say nobody. I mean, if you've got a really strong company and it's got 10 owners and you're not the CEO, then it's possible that you may be able to get out of the company. Right. Uh, so, you know, but it's it's most of the time they want people to stick around for minimum two, three years. Yeah. Just to and, kind of... And, yeah. That's, that's part of the deal. Okay. Um Okay. Even if it's not full time, it may be a declining commitment level over that time period. Sometimes longer. I mean, many times sellers don't want to get out. The sale is not an exit plan. It's it's more of a growth strategy. Right. To team up with another organization that's got better distribution or more capital than they have. Yeah. And so it's not a uh, an exit. It's it's simply a transition and recapitalization. Yeah. And that's just a different way to look at it. Okay. So you also said one other thing that really struck me, and it, it t- 
takes me back to when I look at buying real estate, but you said sometimes the terms may be more important than the price you pay. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I can tell you I'll pay you two times revenue for your company, but it's going to be paid out over 10 years and it's based on your profitability. Right. Well, that's not the same deal <laughs> right. as I'll write you a check, check. today. Exactly. I mean, that's a huge, huge difference. Yeah. And every other deal is somewhere in between those. Okay. You know, and okay. so you, you really... That's a major distinction. Yeah. And you can't deny it. The terms could be very critical. How much of it is, is going to be paid up front or how much of it is non-contingent on your performance. Right. I mean, even if it's not paid up front, non-contingent, is a, there's a huge difference there. And, and I'm, I'm kind of putting you on the spot now, but, but, but in all of the transactions that you've done or been involved in, what, what is one of, maybe one of the more unique terms that you have seen uh, put out that got accepted. Hey, unique terms. Yeah, uh, I had one where a guy had to have the buyer. Um, the company was based in Texas, but he wanted to move to San Diego. He wanted to move to La Jolla, and they had to agree to open up an office for him in La Jolla. So he could and move, move there. him there, and they really did. And, and they, they did, did it. it. Yep, they did. Wow. It. Yep. Okay. All right. So that's and, and from and a the, and the whole reason for that that he told me he was from South Africa. And he did not want his daughters marrying Texans, he told me. He had three daughters. He said, I don't want my daughters marrying Texans. That's it. For huh? God's sakes. They're yeah. so crude. That's not good. Well, and, uh, that's so unfortunate. And we have a lot of Texas <laughs> listeners. So please, guys, don't hold this against us. If you're it's in the, not our opinion. Yeah. If you're in the great state of Texas right <laughs> now, driving around listening to this podcast, just understand those weren't the words of Mark Zweig. So. I have a daughter that li who lives in Texas. I had another one who was born there. Yeah. So relax. Exactly. It's quite but, fun. But it, was, but it was funny that that's what the guy said. That was his reasoning. Yes. Yeah, so. That was his wow. reasoning for and, wanting and to go to La Jolla and he liked La Jolla because the weather there was the closest to Johannesburg. Yeah, yeah. It's like 72 degree, you know, I mean, yeah. San Diego weather is perfect. Per, you know, if you're in the right place in San Diego, you go inland a little bit, it gets hot. But, yeah. You know, when you're right there in the right spot, it's, it is, it's like the it best really weather nice. in the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, no, that, that's, that's probably good. the most unusual request I ever had. That's very cool. That's very cool. So, well, I mean, I know we have a great team here uh, doing M&A. We've actually added to that team recently. And, and um, I, I think it's probably the strongest that it's, it's ever been. Uh, in terms of the capabilities of, of uh, Jamie Claire Kaiser, who's the director of M&A and the rest of the team that she's built and then working with you and Chad and the rest of the uh, the folks here at Zwei Group. I mean, I, you know, we certainly are more than capable to work with people from an M&A perspective. But I think if, if nothing else, um, to bend our ear about situations that you may be encountering if thinking about going through an M&A, we've probably seen it or we've probably done it or talked about it and help people through it. So uh, we'd love to chat with you. If you if you have questions about uh, mergers and acquisitions, if you are want to put your firm on the block, if you want to go out and find another firm um, that you'd like to acquire or merge with, um, certainly reach out to us and you know, we would love to talk with you about that. And uh, certainly Mark has a lot of great information and even more stories than what you heard on this podcast today. So, Mark, I want to thank you again for sharing with us this week. And, and we really appreciate it. Folks, I want to remind you that you can get Mark's No Hold Bards, No Holds Barred advice on a weekly basis in the Zweig Letter and our sister publication, Civil and Structural Magazine. 
Because you are a podcast listener, we want to thank you with a free gift. Uh, and I'll share a little bit more about that in a second. As a reminder, all Zwei Group Media programs like this one are available both in podcast and video format, free for download on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and YouTube, just to name a few places. We'd like to thank you for listening or watching this podcast episode by offering you a free copy of the Zweig Letter and a year subscription. Yes, you heard me say that right. A year subscription of Civil and Structural Magazine. Just visit freetzl.zweiggroup.com. A link to all of this information, including contact information for Mark, will be in our show notes. And we would love it if you would share this podcast with a friend. Hey, I'm Randy Wilburn, and you've been listening to Zwei Group Media, part of Zwei Group. Remember, we exist to make you more successful. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in to this Zwei Letter Podcast. We hope that you can apply Mark's no-holds-barred advice to your daily professional life. For a free six-week subscription to the Zweig Letter, please visit freetzl.zweiggroup.com to gain more wisdom and inspiration in addition to information about leadership, finance, HR, and marketing your firm. Subscribe today.